I want you to imagine for a minute that we were all transported back to about the year 60 AD or so. Gospels almost certainly haven't been written yet. I mean, the stories were circulating, but not the ones we know and love today. And imagine you were given, we were given as a little church community, the task of writing a hymn about Jesus. And they said, look, you only got a few lines, okay? We want to get on with the Mass. We only have so much time. So you have to put in this hymn everything you would ever want to communicate about Jesus. You know, the hits, the high points. If you were going to, through this hymn, let people know about Jesus who haven't heard anything about him before, this is your one chance. Make sure you don't leave out anything that is absolutely critical. Now, if we were going to survey ourselves today in 2023, you can probably imagine what some of those things would be that we'd stick in there. And I'd be willing to bet that on almost everybody's list, at the very least, somewhere in the top three, and probably number one, would be the resurrection. That Jesus rose from the dead for us. Well, that concept of an early hymn is exactly what we have in our second reading. It's widely agreed by biblical scholars that as Paul is writing his letter to the church in Philippi, he borrows, he lifts, and just inserts into his letter one of the earliest hymns about Jesus that we have. And that's the whole thing. Though he was in the form of God, he did not deem equality with God something to be grasped. He took the form of a slave, choosing death, even death on a cross. And you can go through the whole thing. But what isn't mentioned anywhere in that is that he rose from the dead. Now, I'm not suggesting for a minute that they didn't think he did or they didn't know about it. But it's incredibly illuminating, I think, to see in the very beginning what was it that most knocked them on their backs. To say something about this guy is absolutely astonishing. Because the fact of the matter is, in antiquity, there were lots of stories about gods who rose from the dead that wouldn't have been wildly unique to anything they had heard before. And also, it's not that unusual in antiquity that there were stories of gods who became human. Zeus was rather fond of doing it, as a matter of fact. But what was so astonishing about what they understood of Jesus is that he took on our form, not the way Zeus did it, but he took on our form 100%, even to the point of taking on our death. Now, in ancient mythologies, gods would die as well, but they would usually die at the hands of other gods. They wouldn't die because they were killed by people, and they certainly wouldn't be killed as common, worthless criminals. And that was the thing that blew their mind that the one they would acknowledge as God would choose to take on all our frailty, all our weaknesses, right to the point of even allowing himself to be killed. That's what blew their minds. And I'm mentioning all of that because I think it's important now and then just to remind ourselves of that truth. It's so easy to focus on the resurrection. There's nothing wrong with that. But you don't get to the resurrection unless you get to death first, and you don't get to the death that we celebrate as Christians without that extraordinary act of humility. So, now we're going to get to the homework assignment I gave the kids a few minutes ago. But first, as we heard at the opening, St. Joe's is reflecting us to think this week about being called to a higher love, right? Not by Steve Winwood, 
for you Gen Xers, but to a higher love by God. And the word, the Greek word, many of you are sure familiar with that, agape. That's the kind of unique love with which God loves, to which we are all called to love. Many of you have gone through CHIRP in years past. The culmination of that is the so-called agape meal. This idea of loving self-sacrificially. Well, the other Greek word turns up in our second reading. That word I gave to the kids, kenosis. Again, I'm sure familiar to many of you. It just means to pour out, right? To pour out a pitcher, to empty a barrel. And this is the word they chose in that early hymn that Paul took on for himself. When we say he took the form of a slave, he emptied himself, he kenosis himself in Greek. That was their understanding. The way you'd empty an ordinary pitcher of water, that's what God did with his godly superpowers. Of all the human beings who ever lived, the only one who didn't have to die, the only one who didn't have to die was Jesus. So the question isn't, well, why did God have to become human? Why was that necessary? I I think the crucifixion is so awful. Why did God have to do that? That's a pointless question. It's never going to get you anywhere. Instead, the question should be, if God chose to do that as an act of love, why was that the best way of witnessing that love to us? The Son didn't need to love the Father anymore. It was an act of love to love us so that we might love one another in the same way. You're hearing that every week. Love God, love your neighbor, make disciples. Well, there's only one way you're ever going to get to the disciple piece, and that's that if we love our neighbors the way Christ loved us, and that's where that kenosis business comes in. You're never going to get to self-sacrificial love if you and I can't pour ourselves out And so we don't have to get all dramatic about it. Yes, on Good Friday, that's an extraordinary example. But what does it look like in the everydayness of our lives? Think of everything that went into raising the little kids that were just here. They all looked relatively well-nourished and carefully dressed. Think of everything that went into that. From the moment they went from the little babies in arms who are still here to the teens, to the young adults, to the adult adults, to the post-adults. Everything we go through in the course of our lives, only you can fill in the blanks for yourself and your families. But that's what makes this real, right? That's way more than just saying, well, Jesus wants us to love other people, so do your best. It's saying there's no other way to really fully come to be who it is we're meant to be. We've got to love in that way, but there are examples all around. It just has to be celebrated. It has to be named. It has to be used as a witness for others. So what would you name in this week, in the 26th week of ordinary time, if someone just stopped you on the street and said, hey, what's your kenosis these days? What would it be? Maybe it's caring for parents. Maybe it is raising children. Maybe it's making a choice that isn't the most glorious for you choosing the other job versus the one everybody said you ought to take. Just spending five or ten minutes in a direction that you don't have to spend it in. It can be simple, it can be profound, because it's love itself. And so it has all the different facets that love brings with it.
you and I will never get to agape except through the doorway of kenosis. That's what you can teach those kids when they come back. If they hear it now, if they see it in you and us, it will shape the rest of their lives on this earth and beyond.